Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Hulu is coming in hot this month with new shows, new movies, and all new seasons of your faves. Don't miss FX's Clipped, the story of one NBA team's racial reckoning, starring Lawrence Fishburne. Stream a new season of Shorzy, the underdog hockey comedy that might just knock your teeth out. Then catch the high-speed drama Ferrari, starring Adam Driver and Penelope Cruz. Kick your streaming into high gear this month with so much new stuff to watch on Hulu. Hi, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan, joined today by NASCAR on NBC analyst, Kyle Petty. And we are talking on Sunday night, just a couple of hours after the race at Sonoma Raceway has ended. Martin Truex Jr., your winner. And I should just get it right off the top here, KP. The last race of the season for Fox, 16 races to start the year. We appreciate them starting off the NASCAR Cup season in 2023, but now the handoff to NASCAR and NBC. So the next time you watch a NASCAR race, it will be on NBC, Nashville Super Speedway. But before we get to that, let's talk Sonoma. and Let's talk Martin Truex Jr., who seems like he's in a better place than he was at this point last year, KP, when he was really kind of, I think, wrestling with if he wanted to keep driving, there was a lot of discussion. If he'd come back for 2023, he was openly admitting that. So now here we are a year later, he's got two wins, one at Dover, now one at Sonoma. And I remember last year you said, and I agreed with you that if Martin Truex Jr. already has sort of one foot out the door here, and he's already kind of thinking about this, you know, maybe it is just time to retire that when a driver reaches the point of when they're wondering if it's time to retire, it's probably time to retire. So What do you make of where Martin Truex Jr. is here a year later, two victories? It seems like he's been reinvigorated. I make that this is why I I sat here with you. I talk about stuff that I don't know anything about. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Because because that is the way it's always played out. And obviously, Martin had a lot going on away from the racetrack last year, too. Right. Um, you know, and 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 we're not getting that's personal stuff and, and it doesn't make any difference. But obviously his mind was somewhere else. I think he's in a good place now. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to use and I'm going to compare him um, this year. Um, and I go back to, to Kevin Harvick. So Kevin Harvick has stated this is my last year. Um, and you know, everywhere we go, you know, this is Kevin's last race in California. This is Kevin's last race at Darlington. This is Kevin's last race, whatever it may be. Um, and, and, you know, I heard a a guy on his team not long ago say that something happened at a racetrack. And if it was the old Kevin, they would still be hearing him, uh, scream about it, but he just kind (laughs) of let it go. Like it wasn't a big deal because he is one foot out. He is already in the, in the, in the booth. Um, and we all know that and he knows it. So it takes that edge off a little bit. Um, I think Martin was just a little lost. Evidently. I thought he was one foot out. Um, but I think he's both feet in elbows up, uh, and hammer down because I look at a couple of different races this year that I believe he could have won also, uh, with the right pit call and the right strategy. Um, you know, there, we can go back to Richmond. 
you know, when they left him out and, and put scuffs back on and all that stuff and didn't tell him. And he went off on, on, on the radio. There's, there's, he could be a four-time winner at this point in time. And when you really start thinking about it, he's about the only guy that I look at that could be a four-time winner at this point in time. I, Williams won three races, but he's not given away any races. I, I don't see that he has. Uh, yeah. or Denny or any of those other guys. So, um, you know, sometimes, you know, open mouth and insert foot. And that's kind of the way I was with that one, because uh, I think I think Martin will be here probably another year or so uh, on the year he's having right now. No, I, I think what you said had absolute merit last year. And I, I completely agree with you. I know other people I heard agree with you as well, that it did seem like, again, when you reach that point as a driver, yeah. when, when you're thinking about it, that usually means the decision's been made. and yeah. I, I've been surprised by how well he's he's performed this year. I, I didn't think this would work out this way. Uh, and, and to your point, I think that, yeah, you look at I mean, Kyle Busch has three wins. William Byron has three wins. Kyle Larson has two wins. But none of those guys, I feel like, necessarily have run maybe as consistently as Truex. And I think yeah. Truex is interesting because it seems like when he's on, he is really on. I mean, he doesn't back his way into victories. Coca-Cola 600, where he leads 393 laps or yeah. whatever, that – championship year in 2017 where every mile and a half track it just he was set on kill it seemed like dover earlier this year he was fairly dominant there you mentioned richmond he, he probably could have won there and again today you know denny hamlin his teammate starts first but i mean truex i think pretty clearly was the best driver today and we've seen it before on road courses when he's got a really good car underneath him and the team doesn't make mistakes you know james small his crew chief talked about that today that that he thinks is the biggest difference this year to last year, maybe with the exception of Richmond, they are executing. And when Martin has good cars and the team is executing, it doesn't seem like he makes mistakes. Martin has won. What's, what's he won now? 30 some races, something in, in that zone. And it's been 30 of the most boring wins ever in the history of NASCAR. Cause he just drives <laughs> away. He just, he yeah. just drives away. And, and that is good. That's great for Martin because when he is on, as you say, he is on man. Um, and, and, you know, that number may be at 30 something, but it should probably be at 50 something because we can go back to all the times he runs second and all the times that there's been mistakes. I mean, he's that caliber of driver and, and he's pretty level headed. He stays pretty calm in the car, uh, most of the time, but you know, for some reason, for some odd reason, you know, we can go to, to Jimmy Johnson at Charlotte or Jimmy Johnson at, at Dover we can go back to my dad at Martinsville. We can go back to Earnhardt uh, at all the races that he won at Daytona and Talladega and stuff. Sonoma um, and Sears Point, and I've always called it Sears Point, Sonoma fits Martin Truex like a glove. Like when he's not winning, he's running second or third, or he's, he's, a, he's a factor. He's almost always a factor. And it's just one of those racetracks that just falls right into his wheelhouse the way the asphalt is, the way the cars drive. He's done it in multiple different body styles uh, under multiple different, uh, the multiple rule changes and, and different configurations uh, of what the car should be. He just goes out there and gets it done. When they showed the footage today of, of him winning in a Michael Waltrip car, I was like, yeah, man, if you can win in that car, you can win in anything, dude. Um, and, <laughs> and that's kind of the way Truex has proved to be at, at Sonoma. Yeah, that was 2012 when uh, he won there in the in the Waltrip car. But I remember it was 2013, somewhere around 10 years ago. 33 career wins now, by the way, for Truex. And uh, as I mentioned, his crew chief, James Small, he was asked afterward, Kyle, uh, if he thought that this resurgence that Truex has had would make a difference on him returning next year. And Small said... 
Yeah, definitely running uh, well definitely doesn't hurt, but, you know, he plays his uh, cards pretty close to his chest, so who knows what the hell he's thinking, but, uh, you know, it's definitely uh, all pointing in the right direction if he wants to stick around. But it sounds like you think that we will see him probably beyond 23. You think this will take him through next, the year beyond? Yeah, here, here's the funny thing. If you go back and, 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 and talk to, to Jimmy um, or, or, or a lot of guys, and I'm, I'm, I won't even put a name on it. If you go back and talk to a lot of guys about their last couple of years in the sport, they'll all point to two or three years earlier and say, I should have quit then. I should have retired then. Um, you know, will Martin be that guy that he has a great year and says, I'm out, I'm gone. Uh, I'm not going to have those two years fall off or that one year fall off. I'm not, I'm not going to put up with that. Um, it'll be yeah. interesting to see where his head is uh, on that. Um, you know, because I, I think we, we've all seen the backside of, of, of what, what careers do, you know, from, and I go back a long way. I'm going to have seen it happen 10 million times. Um, but it, it will be interesting. I, but it is so tough from a driver's standpoint, from that selfish mentality of I'm the greatest, I can win in anything, I can do it day in and day out, um, to be winning and then walk away from that. Because in your mind, will that always be that nagging doubt that if I'd have hung on, if I'd have stayed another two years, I could have won three or four more races. If I could have stayed another, another year or so. Um, and that's why they hang on. It's just in that, it's like my stupid golf game that's terrible. I hang on for that one good shot every round. You know what I mean? And and that's it. You just keep hoping that that next one's going to be that one that just jumps, uh, like Martinsville for Jeff Gordon when he won that race. Um, that one shining moment at the end of your career where you're back yeah. on top and then you can bow out gracefully and say, I'm out of here. But not many people ever go out on top. You'll take those 17 quadruple bogeys if you can get that one eagle that's every exactly round. Right. Yeah. Okay. That's exactly right. Well, certainly, and Truex definitely had his full swing in full range today. On sort of a weird race, only two caution flags. Of course, NASCAR has done away with uh, yellow flags for stage breaks on road courses this year. So this is the second race we've seen that impact strategy. So there were only two yellows today, Kyle. Um, it seemed to me like Truex was the only guy who could kind of drive all the way up through traffic at will. And there was the first caution that came when we had the uncontrolled tire in the pits about halfway through the race. There were six, about seven guys who had pitted just before that came out. One was Kyle Busch. He ends up finishing second and goes from probably a top 15 car to a, to a second place car. Another example of, you know, he's coming off three wins this year, you know, coming off that victory, gets a second place at Sonoma. Where do you think things are right now for Kyle Busch? He said after the race, if we keep doing these things, we will be a force for the championship. I don't think anybody would have thought that first year with Richard Childress Racing, but through 16 races, it does seem like that team is of title caliber. So um, I've already, we, we were talking two X a minute ago and, and I had one foot in my mouth. So I go ahead and put the other <laughs> foot in my mouth. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I said, I said that, that going to, going from Joe Gibbs Racing uh, to Richard Childress Racing was a lateral step at best, but I felt like it was a step backwards. For, for a driver um, the caliber of, of Kyle Busch. What, six months removed from, from that sentiment um, and, and the 2023 season, I have to say, 
once again, I probably underestimated the talent and ability and focus and drive of Kyle Busch because I think Kyle Busch has single-handedly taken that team and done something special with it. Um, I think Andy and Richard and all those guys, they're behind him 100%. But Austin's still running the same as Austin was running. Um, that, that team is not benefiting, I don't see so far, um, from what Kyle Busch brings to the table. Kyle Busch sits in a seat, hangs on to the steering wheel, and drives totally different. We saw the same thing with Earnhardt Sr. and Mike Skinner and, and other guys that were teammates with, with Earnhardt. When you have that caliber of driver, they just elevate the car and elevate the team to a different place. And, and I think they have built RCR and are building RCR back to a place where they, they are a contender. You can't, I cannot sit here and say they are not a championship contender. When they win one week and run second the next week, uh, and they just, they need a little bit more consistency, a little bit more consistency in those top five and top tens, because when they miss it, they miss it. But I, I think they need a little bit more there. Um, but I am not going to underestimate Kyle Busch, and I'm not going to underestimate Andy or, or Richard or, or any of those guys. I, I'm just not, because I, I think I did when they first made the call and said they were going there, um, because I do believe. Uh, he's one of those drivers, and I, I heard him say it in post race. I don't want a weekend off. I want to keep going. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I want an off week. Let's go, right? <laughs> uh, we're rolling right now, but uh, it'll be a good break for everybody just to kind of regroup and refocus. And all in all, just real proud of the, the guys and the communication and, and the way they're able to go to work and kind of work through some of our issues and, and try to improve on what I need to be able to feel in a race car to, uh, to be able to put out finishes like that. So if we can keep doing those things, then, um, you know, we'll be a force. That's the sad part about having this weekend off. When you do have that momentum, you want to keep it going as long as you can. Uh, but I think they've got long-term momentum. And, and listen, it's a tribute to who Kyle Busch is uh, in a lot of ways and a tribute to the to the vision that Richard has um, for, for that team. And I think you're right. Like when they've missed it, they have missed it. But it seems like these last two weeks, I mean, Gateway, he wins there. That answered, I think, a little bit of questions about their shorter track program where, you know, they, were, they won at Fontana, they won at Talladega, but it seemed like, he hadn't run nearly as well at, at Richmond or Martinsville, which was somewhat of a surprise. So yeah. granted, Gateway is not exactly like those tracks, but maybe it's more like Phoenix. And now he gets a second at a road course. It seems as if, I mean, I'm not saying like the championship template is like materializing in front of our eyes for this team, but it seems as if, like, yeah, yeah, like he's answering, that team's answering questions, I think we would point to and say, well, what about this track or this track? Yeah, Couple that with, like you said, I mean, he's a superstar. Yeah, we and 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 th there's your answer. You look at it and you say, okay, we we knew they were going to be good at Talladega and Daytona, places like that. They, yeah, Richard RCR has always had a good super speedway program. Um, they've been off on their short track program. This was the short track package. They won with the short track package um, at 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 St. Louis. They run second with the short pack track package here. Here's a team that is making gains in the middle of the season. Teams that make gains in the middle of the season are championship caliber teams. Joey Logano taking a 25th place car today and running third is a championship team. That, that's, that's the way they are. Um, the, the one car of Ross Chastain making something today out of nothing is a championship yeah. caliber team. It's those little moments that you'll look back on at the end of the year and say, this is why these guys are in the final four. This is why these guys are in the final eight. They made something happen for themselves when nobody else could make something happen. Um, 
So yeah, I, I look at that and I say these ten, this guy, these guys, they didn't show up uh, with a car and paint an eight on the side of it and put Kyle Busch in it and say, hey, let's just go see what we got. They continue to get better and better and better. And as I said, I mean, he benefited. Kyle Busch benefited. Joey Logano, your man, finishes third when he was nowhere all day. Ross Chastain, you just mentioned him. He gets a top 10 for the first time since his Darlington uh, incident with with Kyle Larson that sort of sent him into a slump. And all of that was because of that first caution. All of those guys had pitted right before that first caution, and they, that worked to their benefit. I thought it was interesting, Kyle. The second caution in the race comes out for Denny Ham on the pole sitter, smacks the wall, ends up finishing last. But it sets up this scenario with a restart with 15 to go. You got 32 cars in the lead lap. Only three cars elect to stay out. Chase Elliott, Ryan Blaney, Tyler Reddick. It didn't really work out for Blaney and Reddick. I want to get to Reddick in a second. But let's talk about Chase for a minute because he cycles from 13th to 1st by staying out, hangs on and gets a top five. But sort of interesting that this isn't the Chase Elliott of old when it comes to road courses and really maybe hasn't been since the next gen came in last year. I mean, it seems like he's still good, but I don't know if we'd say he's best road course racer in the Cup Series bar none like we would have said a few years ago. No, I, I, don't, I don't believe that he is. And, and that's just my opinion. If we go back a couple of years before this car, um, he was the guy, man. He was the guy everywhere you went. You go to the Roval. Uh, you go to Watkins Glen, you go to Sonoma. Uh, I, I don't care, man. You put put Chase Elliott in that in that older car, um, and he just got it done. I don't know what they did or, or how he drove or or what his secret was, but he just got it done. He's not got it done, gotten it done in this car. If I if I go back to last year and just take all of his road course finishes, um, he basically averaged the ninth or tenth place finish last year. Um, if you go to the season before that, he was averaging a first or second place finish, probably. I, I don't know that to be fact, but he was he was winning races and doing all that stuff. And, you know, what what I found fascinating today was they hovered. He and Kyle Larson hovered there, 7th, 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, right in that range. Um, and when they all came down pit road, when when the pit cycle, you know, when the first caution came and it, and it and all those guys leapfrog. They made a great call early on, great call early on. And they went from 12th or 13th up to second or third, you know, and kind of hung there in the top five. Um, and, and I thought that was great, a great call by the Hendrick organization to get them, get them in the race and move them forward and get them some track position. And I thought, okay, now we're going to see Larson and, and Chase just, they're going to battle these Toyotas. They're going to make something happen. And it just never materialized. Uh, and eventually they found their way back to where they were, Originally, um, and I found it interesting when they came down pit road or when they started that last lap there uh, and everybody peeled off except Chase Elliott. Then in my mind, they said, we can't win this thing. We're just going to get the best finish we can out of it. That was they conceded to defeat at that point in time. Chase Elliott was not going to hold those guys off on 10 or 15 <laughs> lap tires or, or six or seven lap tires uh, when they had on new tires. Just was not going to happen. Uh, I thought he did a great job uh, to hold off Christopher Bell and some of those guys and finish fifth. Um, but at the same time, this is not the same, um, the same Hendrick organization, the same Hendrick road course organization that we've seen the last, before this car. 
Um, and maybe they'll learn something in Le Mans this, Le Mans this weekend uh, that'll help them on the road course. When we, yeah, the, the fastest Hendrick road course car this weekend might have been in Le Mans, right? <laughs> yeah, it was in France. That's the problem. That was that was the problem this weekend. So, but but they they they're just in far enough off. They're a little off on the road course. I, I expected William Byron to be better. I expected uh, Alex Bowman to be better. I mean, because I think Alex is a really good road racer, uh, and Kyle Larson. I mean, if you look at the charts from practice and stuff, why didn't he just lap the field? Yeah, you know what I mean? When you start looking at stuff, he got two, his worst laps were his qualifying laps. So, but it just never materialized in the race. And, and Chase just has not materialized in this car in, in, a, in a cup race yet, um, uh, on a road course yet. Yeah, Chase Elliott finishes fifth, best of the Hendrick Armada. Uh, Larson was eighth, Byron 14th, like you mentioned, Bowman yeah. 15th. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Larson was so good in practice that it was, it was certainly a surprise that he, he didn't make the final round of qualifying, yeah. but I still thought like, you know, surely he showed enough speed in practice. He's motivated because the Xfinity race got away from him Saturday. I think he felt like that was one he should have won as well. And then, yep. yeah, just, it, it wasn't really there. Yeah. And, and, you know, he, the thing is, you know, I, I think Chase, I think this suspension has changed the way they have to look at, at these these next races um, mm-hmm. and these, these next 10 races, because they are not going to point their way in. I, I, just, I, just, I don't see that happening. Um, they have to win a race. They have to win somewhere. And I'm not sure. Um, and, and, you know, my memory fades with each passing day, but I'm not sure that I've seen a race this year that I felt like they could win um, yeah. a, a, anywhere. And I'm not just talking road course. I'm talking Daytona, Talladega, Charlotte, uh, any place that we've been. I've just not seen them be that contender yet. Uh, there's been some bright spots. There's been some bright moments. There, there have been. I'm not. I'm not going to say that. But this say they have a a a steep incline uh, in a ten race season to get one win to move themselves into the playoffs, um, and that's a lot to ask. Uh, at this point in time. Well, you talked about like how, you know, the off week kind of maybe comes at a bad time for some guys, you know, guys who have momentum. I wonder if it also comes at a bad time for Chase Elliott because he talked about this in this video he did after Gateway that he kind of made for his fans to say, hey, I'm back. And he said that, you know, it's been such a choppy year for him. Or I think Mm -hmm. he's missed, what, seven races, six races because of the snowboard accident, another race because of the the suspension for crashing Hamlin. And he, he talked about like how, he just doesn't really have the rhythm. So yeah. now he gets, you know, this fifth in this road course race, but now he's off for, for another race. And of course now the 20 race sprint to the finish that NASCAR and NBC will have starting at Nashville, but you've dealt with this before. Like when you miss races because of an injury um, and then you come back, I know that you had the the crash yeah. where you hurt your leg and, and missed several races because of that. Like, is it just, is it more difficult for Chase where suddenly like not only did he miss six races because of the injury, but now he's, got this weird stop, start, stop, start, but within the gateway suspension, yeah. the off week, is that, does that add another layer to it? Yes, it does. There's two things that happen because there is a, there's a thing, you know, and, and, and you'll, you'll hear athletes talk about it no matter what, you know, whether it's, it's NBA, NFL, major league baseball, golf, you, you hear them talk about it and you can be in the best physical shape that you've been in, in your whole life. And you can be in the best mental shape that you've been in your whole life, but are you in playing shape? Because that's a different type of shape. Understanding the ebb and flow of what a season is, 
understanding the ebb and flow of how one game rolls into another game, how one race rolls into another race, how momentum builds or how momentum stops and you've got to kick it off and go again. And riding that roller coaster through a year is part of the cycle of what a season is. When you start it and then have to stop and get off the roller coaster, and then you get to ride 100 yards and then you got to get off for another week, that's tough. That is tough. And when you miss races, you always walk into the garage area thinking you're behind. Always. That guy's run 10 more races this year than I have. That guy's run 12 more races. I'm just playing catch up this year. I'm just playing catch up. So it's a mental thing. And it was with me. I'll I'll say that. I always felt like that season that I was, you know, four months behind because that's basically how much I set out from May to September. I I was basically four, three or four months behind the rest of the guys. Um, And I always felt like I was playing catch up, you know, catch up on gossip, catch up on what's going on in the garage, catch up on everything. You know what I mean? You were just behind because they, they could, they'd almost be in a conversation. You're like, I don't remember that. Oh yeah. I was sitting on my butt at home watching it on TV. I don't remember, you know, that kind of thing. So I think there's two aspects of it and you've got to get into that flow. And, and that's why I said it is a steep, steep incline that, that he, uh, that he has to, to overcome a steep, steep hill here that he has to overcome because he's got to get into a rhythm and win a race and make something happen in 10 races, in 10 races, uh, where everyone else has looked at 26 races. Um, yeah. You know, and basically because of this last suspension, it's put him in a 10, 10 race season. So you got to stay up on the gossip too, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate. As somebody who's never been to a party and not felt socially awkward, that puts this in completely new terms for me. And I, I, I've yeah. never really considered that before, but I get it. If you're just like at the driver intros and they're talking about stuff that you missed the last two, three months. But yeah, like I hadn't even thought about it from that perspective. So even like it's not even driving the car. It's just like socially feeling it's like everything. You're, you're part of the game. You know, and let me, let me, let me, let me say this to you. And, and this is one of the hardest things to you when you stop driving is I grew up my whole life. Everything, my whole world was inside a chain link fence in the middle of a racetrack somewhere. That was my world. There were 45, 46 other cars, you know, 50, 60 some cars at Daytona when is what we used to have for a car count. There were multiple teams, crew chiefs, drivers, that's your world. You know what I mean? And, and, and I've said this in the past and I kind of mean it when I say it. Okay. Uh, is I didn't care whether any fans came. I didn't care whether we were on TV. That was my world. I lived in this world and I needed to beat everybody in this world. And if you didn't like it and you didn't like me, I didn't care. I just needed to be the best that I could be in this world. And what happens is when you're outside that world, then you're lost. And when I started doing TV, I was lost because I felt like an outsider in the world that I had grown up in. So when you're gone from that and then you come back to it, you are that outsider. You're the new kid at school. You're that strange, you know, you're the oddity. You know, you know what I mean? Well, what's it like out there on the outside, man? You know, what's it, what's it like out there? You know, what are you, what are you doing on an off weekend? So you mow a yard. Oh my gosh. You actually mow, you know, that kind of, it's, it's, civilian life you know it's that kind of thing so it's just a different it's a hard it's a hard place to be um on the outside looking in and it's a hard place to walk back into it after you've been on the outside i mean chase can relate to that i'm sure because just like you he grew up around it so yeah i didn't really that's 
Interesting. Very good perspective. So we we mentioned Tyler Reddick uh, and Ryan Blaney also stayed out under that caution. It it didn't go well for either of them, um, although they cycled in the top three. Um, Blaney had some late struggles, had a couple of run-ins with guys, ends up finishing uh, outside the top 30. And Tyler Reddick goes from 18th to 2nd, but then has this flat tire late. Actually, you know, we were talking beforehand, KP, actually kind of saves the race in that yes. he gets the flat tire just past pit entry, uh, but has the presence of mind that rather than limp all the way around the racetrack, throw debris out and probably bring out another yellow, he loops it around, drives backward for a short stretch, enters the pits and gets penalized for it. Yeah. Uh, NASCAR gives him a pass-through penalty. Uh, even though he essentially made a move that allowed the race to finish kind of naturally, that was the, that, you know, there wasn't another caution because of that. The only two yeah. cautions in this race, he still gets penalized essentially for, you know, shortening the race course by 90%. What did you make of that call by NASCAR? And is it letter of the law versus spirit of the law? Is that kind of what we're talking about here? Yeah. I, so I, listen, I, I, I would like to think, I would like to think that NASCAR said, the whole time they were laughing and they said, we got to do something. So let's just give him a pass through. He's already out of the race. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not like the pass through killed him. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Yeah. It, it didn't take him out of the race. The flat tire took him out of the race. And, and, and you know, I, I, I said it to you before we, we started talking this. I don't know if Tyler Reddick had the presence of mind to make that call. I don't know if somebody on the pit box made that call. I don't know who made that call. But that is, of the first 16 races, that's the greatest call that's been made so far <laughs> by anybody by anybody on pit road or on the racetrack because it could have totally changed the race for 34 people, for, for everybody that was still in the lead lap at that time. It, you have a restart with Kyle Busch. Kyle Busch wins the race. Something happens to Truex. You don't know what's going to happen. You don't know it. So many things could have changed the whole outcome of the race. Um, it's like it's a wonderful life. Uh, I think I think uh, that 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 movie. Tyler Reddick heard somebody get their angel wings, and he turned around and got out of the way <laughs> because the world would have been different if Tyler Reddick didn't exist. Um, so it's that, it's that kind of thing. So I mean, I, I just thought it was a great call because he took it out of NASCAR's hands. He took it out of everybody else's hands and said, "I'm not changing. I'm not going to be a factor at the outcome of this race." Uh, in any way, shape, or form, that, by debris on the racetrack, by not making it back to the pits, by whatever that may be, I'll just make a right right here and swing back around and get me another tire and head back out. And that's kind of what he did. And that was, uh, I think that was a great call. And listen, NASCAR had to do something. They they had to do something. They couldn't let that that pass because it's not it's not a move that you that should ever happen. But it's not a move that would ever happen on any other racetrack except this one racetrack where that whole end of the racetrack is paved and there's nothing out there. Uh, we had already seen the three car of Austin Dillon spin out in the middle of it uh, one time when he got hit and looped out in the middle of that, that area. So um, yeah. no harm, no foul for me. And NASCAR made a good call. Yeah. It, and there's definitely a parallel universe. I mean, we're speaking here shortly before 9 PM Eastern. There's probably a parallel universe where NASCAR is on like it's 17th attempt to at the green, white checkered. Uh, if the yellow had come out for Tyler Reddick. So, you know, I understand they had to penalize him in the moment, but maybe yeah. down the road there's some dispensation or maybe he gets a pat on the back somewhere yeah. from race control. Yeah, 
For sure. <laughs> so uh, one more thing I want to touch on about the race KP. We talked about Ross Chastain finishes 10th, ends this mini slump that he'd been in recently, uh, certainly since since the Darlington uh, kerfluffle with Larson and, and Rick Hendrick. And it seemed like he'd been struggling recently, but that team certainly made the most of pitting right before that first caution and leapfrogging up and, and holding that track position. His teammate at Trackhouse Racing, though, Daniel Suarez, his struggles continued. He downshifted when he meant to upshift and worried about that and ended up going from like top 10 to like 29th. That was on, I think, lap one or lap two. Yeah. Uh, and he was never really a factor at a race that he had won at. You know, this is where Daniel Suarez got his first cup victory a year ago. And you go back a year ago and, and track house racing, we were talking about two drivers, both with wins, both playoff eligible. Certainly a different storyline this year for track house where, I mean, Ross has had a good year points wise and, should be in good shape, I think, to make the playoffs, but he's still looking for his first win. Daniel Suarez is below the cut line now, I think, by three points, doesn't have a win. The narrative has changed quite a bit for Trackhouse here after it seemed like last year was such a breakthrough. I'm not saying they've taken a step back, yeah. but it seems like there are more questions about that team this year. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think I, I kind of look at it this way. They did stuff last year that made you – just scratch your head and say, how, how in God's name is this team doing this? How are they running? How are they winning races? How are they running up front? How are they, how are they doing what they they've been doing against a Hendrick against a Gibbs against guys like that this year, they showed up um, and somebody has slipped kryptonite into their, into their truck because they're just a regular team. They're just a regular team right now. And they're, they're having regular struggles just like everybody else is. They have poor pit stops. They have, they're just a regular team. They've lost a little bit of their luster. And, and, and I'm going to, I say this and I am, I am a, I'm a big Ross Chastain fan. And, and, and y'all know that. I think everybody knows that uh, because I don't, I don't see where he's done anything wrong. But I think once again, it almost appears just as last year when we got to that one stage and, Everybody was complaining, Ross this and Ross that. And he almost tweaked his driving style a little bit, and he became a different Ross. And then when the playoffs came, he went back to being the Ross Chastain that we knew. And it's like, after Darlington and stuff, it's like, Rick Hendrick said something about me. Should I be a little bit different? Should I try? And it's almost like he's been tweaked a little bit, and he, and he needs to come back. I think one deal with one thing for Daniel is Daniel – puts so flipping much pressure on himself to, to go out and, and, and succeed. And, and, you know, they had a great point watching Fox today. You know, you drive that, drive that Xfinity car with that H pattern, man, you get in this car and you got to shift. It's sequential. It's not an H pattern anymore. And that's exactly what it sounded like. Uh, He was in second and going to third. Uh, And when you go in, in sequential, when you're in second and you go forward again, you go back to first, man. That's the way it works. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's muscle memory. And that's what he did yesterday with the with the Xfinity car. The day before in the Xfinity car, it was first, second, third, fourth. This is just down, up, down, up. So I don't know why they're not where they, where they were. Um, again, here's another team that they've had moments of, of brilliance, uh, you know, with, with Ross and with, and with Daniel running strong they just haven't put their races together this year like they did last year and when you have a year like they did last year for a team like that it's hard to come back 
uh, and live up to it. They may be in a little bit in that sophomore slump kind of thing. Definitely something now we'll be keeping an eye on here uh, as we pick up the NASCAR and NBC uh, season coming up in a couple of weeks at Nashville. What are you looking at after the off week? We've got Nashville. We've got the Chicago street race where yeah. I haven't been. I, I don't know if you've been yet. I know DJ and Burton were there a couple of weeks ago and they were raving about like how crazy that that and wild that could be. And then we've got Atlanta, which of course is now an X factor race. Watkins Glen is out there. The Indianapolis Motor Speedway road course is out there. It feels like as we pick up the schedule, there are a lot of unknowns that are still yeah. out there. Are a lot of X factors out there for us. Yes. And listen, when I look at this year and, and, and I look at, at Kyle Busch and, and RCR racing, um, that's a storyline I didn't think would have developed this quick and be where it's at. Um, William Byron with three wins, Chase Elliott with a suspension and an injury setting out. I mean, there's so many storylines that over the next 10 races take us at NBC to the playoffs. We're we're not short of stories. Um, And then, as you say, you throw in Atlanta, you throw in Chicago, um, you throw in, you know, the road course in Indy, you throw in these races leading up. uh, And as we get into the playoffs and stuff, and it's like, oh my gosh, you know, this could be, you know, the wild, wild west every Sunday afternoon on NBC because everybody's going to be shooting from the hip and everybody's going to be putting it all on the line because that's just the way it's going to be. Uh, and, and you know, you've got Kevin retiring. Um, you got Martin. We talked about him earlier. And, and you know, his decision will be coming down the pike. I, there, there's a million stories. You know, it's like the beginning of Dragnet. There's a million stories in the Naked City. Um, so it's, there's a million storylines and a million stories that, that we can follow. So it's going to be interesting. I think Fox did a great job of, of setting up the first part of the year and teeing it up for us at, at, at NBC. Um, and now all we have to do is just continue that and follow these guys. But I'm looking forward to Nashville, looking forward to Chicago, looking forward to Atlanta. My gosh, man. I mean, because it is there's a different cast of characters and a different group of players every week. And that's the way it's been. Almost every everywhere we play, we play the fantasy league. You killed us a, a couple of weeks ago. You never know who to choose in a fantasy league because yeah. every race and every week is different. It's not that consistency that we've seen in the past. So um, I am looking forward to getting back to the racetracks uh, and and talking to these people one on one and looking in their eyes and seeing seeing what's going on in there. And my fantasy lineup, by the way, won't be nearly as strong coming out of Sonoma as it was coming out of Gateway. Nobody's is. Yeah, that's right. I'm looking forward to getting back to the track, too. Always love having you on the NASCAR NBC podcast, Kyle, and especially on a Sunday night. Thanks so much for uh, joining us. I appreciate it. Thank you, man. I appreciate it, mate. Our thanks again to Kyle Petty for joining us on the NASCAR NBC podcast. Again, especially on a Sunday night when KP had put the kids to bed in between the end of the race at Sonoma and the start of our podcast recording. Much appreciate his time and insight, as always. Thanks to Motorsports Manager Emily Conboy for recording this episode and Zach Tanzaretti for editing the Motorsports on NBC YouTube version of the NASCAR on NBC podcast. You can check out the Motorsports on NBC YouTube page as well for more NASCAR America Motormouths content and highlights from across the racing spectrum. As noted, no NASCAR race this coming weekend as we get ready for NASCAR and NBC kicking off its schedule with Nashville Super Speedway the week after. And 
we will have a special episode of the NASCAR and NBC podcast heading into the Nashville weekend. Details to come on that, but it'll be multiple guests and some topics that I think you'll like hearing about. You always can find more news, columns, and analysis on NASCAR Talk and Motorsports Talk on NBCSports.com. Please visit NBCSports.com NASCAR or NBCSports.com motors. If you have any NASCAR and NBC podcast feedback, you can send to me on Twitter at Nate Ryan is my handle. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help Dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power Dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything Dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939.